Are you interested in learning how we can make our streets safer for everyone? Join us for the 10th Annual Safe Streets Summit on February 2nd and 3rd, 2023 at the Diplomat Beach Resort in Hollywood. The event will have an impressive lineup of local and national speakers. The Broward MPO is honored to be sponsoring this regional event in cooperation with our partners, the Miami-Dade TPO and the Palm Beach TPA. The Broward MPO is also hosting our second annual State of the Regions Awards on Thursday, February 2nd, 2023, when we will be reviewing the MPO's achievements from the past year and honor several of our local leaders for their contributions in transportation. We hope to see you there. For more information about both events, please visit our website at BrowardMPO.org. Welcome to Let's Talk Transportation, a podcast series of the Broward Metropolitan Planning Organization, also known as the MPA. We talk about the ins and outs of transportation in Broward County and all of Southeast Florida, why it matters, how it works, and the challenges and opportunities related to achieving great transportation. I'm your host, Greg Stewart, Executive Director of the MPO, and I'm joined by... My name is Carol Shuham. I am the Vice Mayor of the City of Hollywood, Florida. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So let's talk about your experiences in transportation and what brought you ultimately to even be serving on the Metropolitan Transportation Board for the uh, region. Well, um, my career before becoming an elected official was uh, in construction, in construction law. I worked as in-house corporate counsel for several large construction companies. So I have a background in transportation projects. Uh, When I worked for a mechanical contractor, I actually did the tunnel down in Miami uh, for the, yes, the fire protection. Well, we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit. (laughs) Yes. And then when I became an elected official, um, we were so fortunate in the city of Hollywood as uh, Dick Blattner served uh, on our commission and as you well know uh, was just an outstanding and stellar member of the MPO and uh, when Dick was no longer on the commission I was honored to be asked to join and actually uh, Dick Blattner won a uh, lifetime achievement award from the MPO I think it was last year thanks for being the sponsor on that one yeah actually this tunnel thing this is going to be fun I didn't I didn't recognize I didn't realize that you were actually on the fire compression side Mm -hmm. of that tunnel in Miami so you probably understood the cost analysis that uh, our friends at the Department of Transportation here at the District 4 office came back with on the uh, FEC passenger rail project. Mm-hmm. Hot subject right now, no pun intended, but um, what would your thoughts on a tunnel versus a bridge over the New River and... Well, you know, I've talked uh, a little bit about this at our MPO meetings, and I think that um, when I hear the FDOT analysis, uh, they're looking at the hard cost of the tunnel only. Uh, But I think that it needs to be compared to the total financial impact that a project would have. And as I mentioned, I think several months ago at an MPO meeting, I would look at, and certainly if I were a Fort Lauderdale elected official, I would look at the impact on real property values. I think a tunnel, uh, while maybe dollar for dollar is not as a, is more expensive than a bridge, I think over the lifetime of the use of that piece of, of the transportation puzzle, 
it will be more expensive. So since we're on the subject of the FEC corridor and actually passenger rail, the county commission took a very big action the other day, which actually moved forward with potentially putting passenger rail from south of downtown Fort Lauderdale, obviously through Hollywood, and down into Aventura, connecting up with Miami-Dade. What's your thought on that, and what do you see that as Uh, the benefits not only to the city of Hollywood, but to the region? We are very, very excited in Hollywood and so appreciative of the county uh, commission's actions the other day. there's there's a, a lot of excitement in Hollywood for this to happen. We are really trying to revitalize our downtown. Um, it's always been a beautiful, historic part of Hollywood, but we are really trying to encourage an increase in um, the percentage of people that can live and, and play downtown. And to do that, they have to be able to get to work. And while we're trying also to increase the opportunity for working in Hollywood, we know that people have to commute. And to be able to walk out of your home or your condo or your apartment and walk to these stations will be such a gift to the city of Hollywood. It opens the uh, potential Hollywood resident to job markets in downtown Miami and Aventura, all the way up to downtown Fort Lauderdale, and eventually beyond up to Boca Raton. I mean, those markets are open now, but only if you can afford to drive by the gas and pay to park but you know you asked a question to me the other day and i'm gonna you know bring it into this conversation on the parallel facilities conversation and so we have tri-rail to the west of downtown uh hollywood which is you know old historic train station and then we have the new service that would be in downtown how do you see that benefiting redevelopment on both sides of the city So there was actually a great question that I got um, through social media from a resident, which is, you know, we're all very excited to hear the news about the county commission's decision, but really we have the tri-rail. So what is the the benefit? So I I asked you that question, and because to me it seems obvious, like they're not in the same place. But there are other benefits, which is speed. Uh, You know, on one we will have Brightline, on one we won't. And just the, um, you know, as I mentioned, the location. And so it gives people choices. And it, I think, will open up for selfishly for the city of Hollywood, more places to develop in a residential fashion. And that's the exciting part about it. And if you look at it, even from the service markets, because that's that's one thing. Yeah, they both ultimately will go downtown, but uh, the tri rail, the western tracks, actually go directly into Miami International, which is phenomenal. You know, we're used to yeah. Mm-hmm. Here in this building, we're along the tri-rail tracks, and mm-hmm. I can tell you I've flown out of Miami a lot now because mm-hmm. uh, it's convenient, and you just mm-hmm. drop downstairs, get on the train, and you don't have to worry about parking. Um, that's going to be the same for residents in downtown Miami going north mm-hmm. and being able to get to FLL. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, so that kind of changes, you know, and that's a, you know, well, part of FLL is in Hollywood. Part of it is, you know, in, in Fort Lauderdale, and unincorporated county. All of a sudden, the demand that all of a sudden could come from, you know, having that large residential market in a commercial market in downtown Miami utilizing Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International 
you know, that's a whole different game changer, I would think. Right. And so are you preparing for, you know, what that might mean? Yes. In the sense of, you know, Hollywood has always been very uh, focused on tourism between our beach and our downtown area. But I think not only the fact that folks will be coming in and out of Fort Lauderdale Airport that might have in the past focused on Miami, we're hoping that people that land in Fort Lauderdale will be able to, you know, hop on the train and get off and, and explore Hollywood. So I think people, you know, Hollywood's a little gem uh, that has been undiscovered by many. And I think that these um, transportation opportunities will really open it up and people will learn what we know. So you were one of the very first cities to adopt circuit which is an on-demand service and small little golf cart things are wonderful. How do you see that hooking together with the two stations, the one to the west where Tri-Rail is now, and then the coastal project to the east, and then to Hollywood Beach? Do you see, I mean, is the city working on some type of master plan for that? Yeah, so our... um our first few years with Circuit has been done in coordination with our CRA, our okay. Community Redevelopment Agency, and the idea was really to bring people who were staying at the beach mm-hmm. to the downtown. So if you're a tourist and you're hanging out on beautiful Hollywood Beach, you don't need a car to go to some restaurants or shops downtown. So that was our initial soiree. It's worked out really well. We, of course, had a few glitches. Uh, I think to be able to ex- expand that and have spokes to, to rail will be amazing, but even more than that, what I'm interested in is connecting with our sister cities to the north and south, whether it's Dania or Hollandale. And the connectivity, I know that uh, our, our staff is actually working with your staff in the city of Hollandale and the city of Dania to uh, do a connectivity study with FDOT. Yep. And, you know, some of the things that we've been talking about with another area we're doing that type of study, it's uh, up in uh, Wilton Manors in Oakland Park in, in northern Fort Lauderdale was actually an elevated pedestrian environment where you could actually have food trucks in a park coming across the Dixie Highway Bridge and allowing people to get across Oakland Park Boulevard and Dixie Highway wow. in a way that is Not enjoyable. Not scary staircase. Yeah, exactly, but something that is an event, yeah. you know. And uh, you can have trees and, you know, experience along the way. And FDOT seemed to be really interested. And in fact, the cities of Fort Lauderdale, Oakland Park, and Wilton Manors are applying for a Reconnecting America planning grant. At least they tell. Yeah. So that's something I think we'd like to see working with Hollywood next year. If that if that grant is successful for uh, Oakland Park, that we should probably be looking at something similar. That sounds fantastic. Your distance might be a little bit different so we'll probably have to do a different type of reconnecting Mm -hmm. um the dixie highway narrowing and potentially the complete streets project right now dixie parallels the tracks on both sides in your part of the county um do you see an idea maybe of a, a small shuttle system that could connect hollywood station to the two cities to the north and south utilizing that one way wonderful um you know i recently took the um bright light down to Miami and you know they have their own Uber service right there so uh, there's so many options right now Um, in Hollywood we're very very supportive of the bike lanes Um, and yeah so I think that I can see people um, it be you know obviously we have to address extreme heat but on normal days just being able to ride their bike leave their bike or take their bike with them so that they have transportation when they arrive down in Miami so certainly shuttles bicycles um 
car services. Um, but for me, the goal is to get cars off the road. I got a question for you because I know you like biking, uh, bicycling. Do you uh, have an electric bike? Not yet. Are you are you going to adopt that technology? Well, it's funny that you ask. My husband just got back from a trip with some friends that he does every year. And for the first time, he got an e-bike and he said it was a complete game changer. <laughs> so we are a one-car family right. since COVID. Uh, now that COVID is um, better under control, we have been struggling with one car. So I think that e-bike might be our solution. I find it fascinating because, you know, back pre-COVID, uh, this agency used to get a lot of heat from the public saying, why are you building bike lanes in South Florida? No one uses their bicycle. When COVID did hit, we got a a surprising number of folks calling us saying, and writing, saying, oh, you know, we use those bike lanes. You know, my family and I went out. And now that things are back and you're you're saying, you know, we've we've got past the current COVID experience, um, you're back into that multi-car potentially household, but that e-bike experience might be the game changer there where you can get around locally fast. Um, I know that those e-bikes are averaging about 30, 40 miles on a charge. They're amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, uh, just two things I wanted to say was one, in Europe, you know, they ride bikes everywhere. Yeah. So it's just kind of an American thing that it's not going to catch on here until we get the e-assist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in Florida, really, it's critical because of the heat. Uh, It's a little bit different. But uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, which is in Hollywood, um, we have a beautiful broadwalk. And it's intended for walking, um, cycling, and and rollerblading. And so we have an issue there with e-bikes. Oh, I I never thought about that. Yes. So it's really interesting. We're encouraging biking and love the e-bikes off the broadwalk. But I just want to mention only human power on the broadwalk. and, And the broadwalk is a fascinating subject too. I grew up up down here. So, uh, you know, when I grew up, this was a really little place. I mean, it really actually was. There was like maybe three, four hundred thousand people in all of Broward County. So most everybody either lived in Pompano, Hollywood or Fort Lauderdale. Um, and the things to the West were really, really scattered. Uh, I didn't know the Broadwalk existed back when I was a kid. And isn't that one of those weird things? Because, you know, I had a great uncle that lived in Hallandale Beach. We would drive from our house down to go visit with him. We would go to the Diplomat Hotel, the old one. And uh, I never, ever remember being on the Broadwalk. It didn't exist in its current iteration. It was uh, really kind of a rundown asphalt strip. And then when the Hollywood CRA uh, was created, it took an area that was seriously blighted yeah. and created this magnificent um, broadwalk. So do you see the transformational use of, of transportation projects, I guess, given the broadwalk's history, as what you can do with a transportation investment to make a difference in communities? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, again, just in Hollywood, we're focused on trying to allow more people to utilize the beach without cars. Um, So we need, and I hear so much from everyone when we're talking about the trains and other things, we need east-west transportation, um, particularly to get from uh, parking or trains Mm -hmm. to the beach. Uh, People should be able to get there without worrying about how to park their car. Absolutely. So is there, I've talked to your mayor before and I'm going to have him on. Um, eventually, but you know, he's talked about a gondola system, which 
you know, initially you think, oh, a gondola system. But that's not really that far-fetched. I mean, do you see that as one of the potentials, or are there other potentials that you might want to go pursue? Um, I, You know, I think that it's not... The, the problem with... Uh, are you talking about gondolas on the lakes or no, uh, no. sky gondolas? Sky gondola, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it might be... A, a bit much for the residents to have that going over their homes, but you know, I also true. I never really thought. About it. <laughs> I, oh. I do think that uh, we have a fantastic mayor, and um, that we should all be really open-minded. Uh, you know, we have two lakes. Um, and again, we have to be careful because they're surrounded by residential neighborhoods. Right. Yeah, East Lake. Uh, what is it? North Lake, South Lake? Is that? I think that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, those are beautiful areas too. Absolutely beautiful. But they get a little wet sometimes. I'm going to kind of yes. transition into climate change and resiliency for a second. Um, you know, I know that we uh, at the MPO with the city applied for a raise grant to actually physically raise some of the roads on the Barrier Island. Long term, that's something we're probably going to need to look at almost everywhere are the residents prepared have you been talking to that because i think that's your district so are you talking to the residents in those communities to see where they are in their minds as far as dealing with that yeah um we're, we've been very fortunate in the city in the past couple of years that our public utilities department has basically taken a deep dive into the system okay. and we threw additional pumps additional uh, improved flaps uh flap gates and things like that. We've really made some huge improvements with the help of FDOT and Broward County. Um, I think the residents see kind of what's happening and they're watching what's happening in Miami where this has been uh, attempted and, you know, mixed results. It is a mixed result. And when I have some conversations with Broward County government, um, the folks that are on the climate side there, they're like, oh, we're going to raise Hollywood Boulevard. I'm like, well, if we do that, the stormwater and all the runoff. Water has to go somewhere. Exactly. It exacerbates the problem. Right. One of the things we did in my experience is, and obviously West Palm Beach is a little bit north and a lot higher up. I hate to say it. I mean, if there's an elevation in South Florida, they're probably at the highest point. So uh, we actually created catacombs. Um, underneath Okeechobee Boulevard to actually capture stormwater. Mm-hmm. And it was actually used for a water treatment because they use surface water withdrawals for their drinking water, unlike most of the rest of Florida. And those catacombs actually hold on to the stormwater. If we were to elevate the road, maybe there's a possibility of even putting catacombs underneath that to capture at least a percentage of the water. Yeah, we've actually um, had uh, some consultants that were presenting to us on bioswales and things Mm -hmm. like that, but they do have beautiful designs for walkways with catacombs underneath and Mm -hmm. things like that. So I think there's a lot of opportunities, but to your point, the water has to go somewhere. Exactly. Elevating roads may not be the answer because um, you know, we were just talking about this the other day, um, I live in the North Beach area of Hollywood, okay. which is really just starting to feel some of the impacts, and a lot of that is controlled by the Broward County. Mm-hmm. They've recently received a lot of grants to address stormwater and sea level rise, and we have to really have a lot of open conversations between the agencies because what's good for one neighbor may not be good for the others. And so I think that Miami is revealing some of these things, and we're grateful. Yeah. 
to learn from them. I found it fascinating. Before COVID, I used to go over to Amsterdam a lot. And it's one of those places where, you bikes, know, bikes, bikes, bikes. bikes by all, I still have <laughs> post-traumatic stress syndrome from, I, I can hear the bells ringing on the bikes, get out of the way. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, you see in the Netherlands is, you know, they're at sea level or below in a lot of parts. And they've been able to address that for decades, you know, generations. I mean, there's a lot we can learn from them. Our, our soil types are a little bit different, but, you know, a lot of their soils are very uh, porous like ours. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there might be some things and lessons we can learn. One of the things I'd like to do with some of the MPO board members soon is actually maybe take a, a trip over there and actually see what they've done to bring back ideas here that we can work with FDOT. And You're reminding the me there was a 60 Minutes episode a couple years ago where the mayor of Hoboken mm-hmm. traveled to Amsterdam, I believe, and, you know, really brought back a lot of complex but also some simple stuff like they were uh, no longer building public basketball or recreation facilities at a grade right they were lowering everything so, so you have to walk down to play basketball and they were using them as catch basins so really clever stuff coming out of europe and i think that's really i mean if you look at that I, those concepts you know in dealing with the stormwater issues that we're going to have and we all know it mm-hmm. i mean i think we can survive this thing you know we'll, we'll see how this works out right. but Hoboken is one of those places who would think that it would, you know, be having those issues, but it's right at the river's edge. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, if we have that same type of environment and we need to really look at that. And we shouldn't have to reinvent the wheel for every single thing. So I, I think yeah. that you're on to something. I think Amsterdam is a great role model in a lot of ways. Venice also. Oh, it's as, um, right. You know, I remember when we, uh, a few years ago, watched some of the shops on Los Olos, you know, trying to keep the water out of the door. They went to, you know, they, yeah. the newscast would say, you know, these shop owners in Venice are staying open, so you can too. And it's just a, a matter of adjusting. And you bring up Venice, and I, I laugh because years ago I was doing a presentation, and uh, it was to a climate change group, and I talked about adaptation. And at one time, Venice was a lot lower. <laughs> and over time, they've built up. They've been moving the villas and all the rest of it. Um, very fascinating technique, actually, where they create these balloons at the base of the old buildings that are underwater at this point and they float them up and then create a whole new base underneath that and then reconnect them to the sewer system fascinating are we going to get there you know who knows but i also serve on the broward county climate change task force and you know unfortunately the numbers in the past few years are um accelerating at a higher rate than anticipated so i think there's no time to waste um and i'm grateful to the mpo certainly for its helping um um, my district and the city of Hollywood and trying to get some of these climate related grants for transportation. And I think we're, I think we'll de- do more deep diving. I'm no pun intended, but you know, I think it's going to be a, it, we will figure this out together. I, I plan on making this home for a long time. My friends up in uh, Metroplan Orlando and the Orlando area, the MPO up there, they have, uh, they have their long range transportation plan. And every time they present it, they're like, yeah, and we're going to grow by another million and a half people. And I'm like, from where, 
where? And they're like, from South Florida, because it'll all be flooded. And I'm like, yeah, not so fast. <laughs> not so fast. Yeah. We have uh, great um, uh, city staff throughout throughout the cities that are in Broward and, and terrific elected officials. Every There's no deniers. <laughs> Everyone's eyes are open. And, right. um, you know, like I said, very fortunate that we have you and the MPO here kind of looking at things on a national and global level for us to, sh- to share these ideas. And that's our role. So speaking of the MPO, you've now been on the MPO for a little bit more than, what, a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think of the interplay between all the cities and the county and, and the DOT? Because that, that whole idea of regionalism, and I never, you never realize it, but the MPO is probably the only organization in the county, in the state, basically, that actually has everybody sitting there in one place at one time. I think that it's an amazing idea. Yeah. A terrific organization. I'm every meeting I'm so impressed with the um, elected officials that are sitting on this board. Right. Uh, I can say that it definitely takes a year and a half to even understand the abbreviations and anachronisms, but um, it's it's terrific and it it's you know, you have the Broward League, uh, which is uh, yeah. um, a nonprofit of elected officials working together and trying to find common goals, but this is that with um, a very specific mission mm-hmm. and a budget. You yeah. Know? So it's it's terrific, and and it's its results are evident. You know, we can just drive anywhere in the county and feel the impact of the MPOs. And that's a really cool thing. And people don't recognize it, but like you said, it takes a year and a half. I know even for myself, when I first came to the organization, it was, hmm, all these acronyms. Hmm, what what are they all saying? And, And then to really comprehend, we went from an annual budget of about a half a billion dollars, a little bit less, and now we're a billion and a half a year in transportation funding, and it's accelerating. It's not slowing down, um, you know, because of all the other opportunities we can leverage. It's a really exciting time to be sitting on the board. I'm glad you're part of it. I am so excited to be here, and also through the new uh, engineering oh, yeah. uh, branch. And I, I just want to say that I think that um, for the residents of Broward, they should know that they are in good hands. I feel like with you at the helm, but your staff in particular. Greg, you, our team is great. Yeah, yeah uh, the the dollars are well spent, okay. um, and I think when yeah, as taxpayers these days, it's nice to know that you have watchdogs that are doing a very good job with the funding that they have. We're, we're, we are all trying. We all do this together. It's a you know, it's a rising boats lift everybody. So with that, I really appreciate your time today. Oh, my pleasure. It flies by, right? And look forward to having you back. The Let's Talk Transportation podcast is produced by the Broward MPO, where every day we fund and implement projects that move people and goods, create jobs, and strengthen communities. Learn more at BrowardMPO.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Speak Up Broward. If there is a transportation topic you'd like to know more about, let us know by sending an email to info at BrowardMPO.org.